Um, yeah, this is where I always need Dan to like fire off some weird thing to <laughs> use for the beginning. <laughs> well, I think we just got it right there. Yeah. Shout out to Dan. We're going to fire it off with uh, with no proper start, I guess. We're just getting yeah. this thing rolling. And here, we can fire it off because I'm fresh cracking this. And oh, I nice. was going to wait till we're actually recording to pop it. So Yeah, let's hear that pop. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Ready to go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right up to the mic. <laughs> podcast about bourbon and the ones who drink it. This is Bourbon Matters. And welcome to Bourbon Matters. I'm Jake. And I'm Jake from Gold Eagle. And tonight we're talking about... (laughs) (laughs) Tonight we're talking about Barrel, uh, which we actually did an episode a long time ago. I think it was like episode two or three, Um, but we're revisiting it. Um, So I think there's been a lot of changes to their lineup uh, since we did that episode. And I think we only covered a couple of their offerings. Um, So there's a lot more to talk about now. A lot of changes. There's endless offerings. Um, it seems like every single week or month there's a new game plan with them or a new bourbon or whiskey that comes out um, and good timing because we just got a single barrel pick of barrel bourbon in. Um, and speaking of changes, they are discontinuing their single barrel pick program. So this is uh, it is kind of perfect timing to revisit them again and taste this and discuss. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about the, how the single barrel program is kind of going to change and then like what the process was for you guys. Cause this is your third pick with them, I think. Right. Um, so if we, if we include like all the blended batches that we've picked, um, and not just the single barrels, then I think this is probably our fifth or sixth, maybe even seventh different pick. Um, well, we, we've got a rum single barrel with them. Um, we've got a, a light whiskey bourbon blend finished in rum barrels. Um, we did that Pinot de Charentes finished pick, um, that Pedro Jimenez pick, which was uh, oh, a yeah. gold medal. That same batch was gold medal at the New York spirit competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got quite a variety of, uh, barrel bourbon picks. And our original one was like a 14 year, uh, Tennessee single barrel, uh, that was really good couple years back which nice. we know a lot of people hate on dickel and tennessee um but once once you get to that 12 to 14 plus range from dickel um you can you can get some really really good barrels uh that mm-hmm. don't even taste like they're from that same distillery but yeah one of these days we'll talk about the dickel 15 which is like yeah <laughs> and I, that that's a pretty good episode too because uh a lot of people do hate on that brand and that distillery. And honestly, I, I feel like it's for their, their stuff is so off profile from a typical bourbon. Cause it's very dry. Oak mm-hmm. um, is like the predominant flavor. Um, but you can find some really, really good uh, Dickel products. And 
Yeah, so it just kind of depends on the age. They're not all bad. You don't have to hate just because it uh, says distilled in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, before we really dive in, um, there was a big news story this week. Um, yeah. Penelope was bought by MGP. Um, I don't think they officially disclosed how much it was, but it was estimated to be something absurd, like 120 million, I think. I don't know. I've heard like even, yeah, I've heard higher than that. Um, but who knows? I mean, MGP's got a lot of money. Um, and what's, what's super interesting about that is most of the listeners probably know, but Penelope is made of MGP bourbon. Um, so they're kind of like buying back their own stock because that sale included all of the barrels that Penelope had. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it wasn't just a brand. It was all existing bottles, all existing barrels. Um, everything that Penelope has is now technically back to MGP. Oh, so uh, it's uh, $105 million in cash to be paid at closing. And then there's um, a couple stipulations and like performance metrics that will bump it up to a maximum of 215 million. Wow. So that's pretty crazy. Um, that is crazy, especially a, thinking about blending brand for a blending brand, just buying MGP's product anyway. <laughs> that, I mean, that makes, uh, I think that makes wilderness trails acquisition, uh, you know, just look like nothing. That yeah. was what, like 300 million? And that was, I mean, they're like the yeast kings for one. Yeah. Um, and they do a ton of contract distilling. They mm-hmm. have a ton of rick houses. Um, and they're just, they're, they're, they're distilling so much. And they're one of the sweet mash pioneers now that that for 300 million looks like absolutely nothing compared to Penelope, which is just a, yeah, a buying. Wilderness Trail's been brand. producing their own stuff for several years now right yeah uh-huh i mean they even have like eight year stuff um yeah. that they just sell at the distillery so they're uh yeah they're they're out there plus like they have good cash flow because they are doing a lot of contract distilling yeah so one of the things i was reading about this acquisition was that um it seems like mgp's uh like business model now is to get these like high end bourbon brands um which kind of makes sense because you have lux row um which they acquired last year or a couple years ago i think Mm -hmm. um and then now penelope um so i feel like they're really pushing for um a lot of these brands that either were already buying from them um and like blending or or selling you know single barrels and then, um, you know, really trying to expand their portfolio beyond, um, like I think what Remus is for, for straight from Remus and uh, Rossville Rye, which yeah. uh, I mean, I think it's a genius move. Um, Rossville is one of the best ryes I've had, and it is it's just straight MGP. Um, usually six to seven year, their barrel proof is six to seven year barrel proof MGP that ninety five five that we all love, and it sits on the shelf for like fifty five bucks. 
Um, but nobody knows about it because as we know, yeah, MGP know doesn't do, that. they don't, they don't really do any marketing. Um, it's, you know, 90, I was off the top of my head, probably 99% of their business is just selling barrels, if not more than 99% um, of their whiskey business is selling barrels. And MGP also does a lot of other things. They do a lot of uh, like grain uh, wholesale um, and other types of, uh, you know, ingredients that is way above what I know about them. Um, But whiskey is, whiskey is just kind of like one portion of what they do. And then, yeah, it's, it's a huge, a huge, deal compared to other distilleries size-wise on how much they're producing and less than 1% probably gets bottled under their own name. Um, But it's also interesting because five or six years ago, nobody wanted MGP. MGP was kind of looked at as like the dickle now. Like people see, people saw distilled in Indiana on the label and they got scared. They veered away from it. Um, mm-hmm. but now it's the complete opposite. You see distilled in Indiana and you know, it's a good product cause it was probably distilled at MGP. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think they're, they're realizing they have a really good product. They just don't have the good branding and marketing and buying these brands that are using their product in a very good way, um, is a very easy way for them to slip back into the market and really capitalize on how good their whiskey really is that they're producing. Yeah, and especially since the the name has not is or like is no longer synonymous with like bad whiskey or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have realized that like one bourbon doesn't need to be from Kentucky and two that yeah. good bourbon doesn't need to be from Kentucky. So I think no. it's definitely shifting. I mean, honestly, it's amazing. And there's, there's probably listeners right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I mean, there's, there's probably plenty of listeners right now that are like, don't believe that MGP was ever something that people didn't want. Um, but I can tell you when I started working at gold Eagle, um, it was a hard sell to get people to buy a bottle that said distilled in Indiana. It is just mm-hmm. like, bottles now that are distilled in Tennessee. Nobody wanted MGP um, until basically the the general public, the masses realized that this is really, really good whiskey. Um, Just depends on who's blending it, um, you know, to make it kind of stand apart. Yeah. I I remember when me and Dan first started like hunting for stuff, you're like, we would uh, look at stuff and be like, why, why would anyone want Indiana whiskey? Yeah. Like then like you know, going to some of the master classes and um just trying like different things, it's like becomes quickly apparent that like really good whiskey is made it in other states. So Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people are opening up to that and it, it it's like obviously it's showing because now MGP is like um people specifically hunt for these MGP labels because they know it's gonna be really good. Um, right. And like the, the rye is just like unparalleled. So, yeah. And I know, uh, I just, I actually just met with them this week and they're coming out with, uh, like five new expressions for Rossville and four or five different expressions for Remus. Um, so I know for Rossville, they're going to have like a hundred proof rye, uh, something around 90 proof. They're going to have a barrel proof. They're also going to have a seven year 
And then they're also going to have, uh, like how Remus did the repeal once a year release, they're going to have a Rossville 10 year that releases uh, once a year. Um, and the new labels, the new labels look sharp. It doesn't look anything like the old labels. It looks very modern. Um, kind of, kind of reminds me of uh, like a Luxro label. So obviously, there's a little tie in there, probably with the marketing teams uh, yeah. coming up with those new labels. But, um, but yeah, it's it's exciting to see them, uh, you know, really come full circle and realize, uh, you know, how good their whiskey is, and then also good for them on buying other brands that are already using their whiskey so that when the consumer that doesn't know a whole lot picks up that brand off the shelf the next time it will taste very consistent um mm. over you know just buying some kentucky brand or uh you know some smaller distillery that people might not have heard of because they'll, they'll have a, a jump start on getting getting more of their whiskey out there yeah, and word on the street is that MGP is actually starting to limit what they're selling to people in terms oh. of barrels because they've really depleted their stocks and they really want to hold on to some of those older barrels that they still have. Yeah, I mean, it's um, like you if, if you don't have a relationship with MGP right now, you basically can't get you can't buy their whiskey from them. Um, they don't really take people off the street anymore. And, uh, over the past like five or six years, it's, it's gone from like, all right, you want, you're a new customer with us. You can have eight year stuff. Um, and then every year it seemed like it just got younger and younger, like, uh, to the point where two years ago, uh, we actually partnered with a local distillery copper fiddle and we got some MGP samples and we were talking about buying, uh, some MGP barrels to do like a private label and the oldest that they would offer us was two year and we didn't even get to, they didn't even give us the option of tasting the barrels. They were just like, here's, here's the recipe. Um, if you like this, we're going to send you four random barrels with that recipe. Um, and honestly, like I wish we did it at the time. It seemed a little crazy to buy four barrels without, without being able to taste them and just kind of taking uh -huh. a loan shot in the dark on them. Um, but those barrels now would be four or five years, probably turning five years soon. Um, and now you can't go to MGP and get new make. Yeah. Like if you don't have a brand or relationship with them, you're not going to walk in there and be able to get anything. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of MGP, <laughs> this uh, <laughs> yeah. barrel craft single barrel that you guys picked is an mgp uh it's nine years and uh it's 111.5 proof mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty typical of a barrel uh in terms of proof they're usually in the like teens or 20s um yeah unless, unless you get like 20s. a light whiskey from them they're yeah. usually they have that lower proof mgp which when it gets the right age is really good. Yeah. Yeah. This one is excellent. Um, it's got a lot of really great notes. Um, I can't, do you know, you know the mash bill of this, don't you? Yeah. 75% corn, 21% rye, 4% malt. Yeah. It's like, it's so really typical, nice. typical MGP mash bill. Um, but yeah, go ahead. It's a really nice amount of rye. Cause you definitely get some of that spice in here. Um, but the corn content is, is pretty high. Um, 
and gets you like the nice sweetness to counterbalance that. It's a really well-balanced whiskey. Yeah, I was going to say super balanced. I get a ton of vanilla, um, a ton of oak, especially like toasted oak, charred oak. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's coming through a little bit more just because there really isn't a lot of nine-year MGP on the market. Um, Most brands that I know of, I mean, even Penelope, their MGP is really four years is what they're using. Mm -hmm. and yeah, there's this, like, as we were talking about, um, how MGP has been cutting back and cutting back on people. Um, it's, it's pretty, I would say rare to find anything older than eight years MGP bourbon nowadays. Um, you know, just, especially a single barrel. Most of the stuff is, uh, you know, most of the stuff when you see a nine year MGP barrel, it's blended in with like some four or five year um, just to give it a little more depth, but, um, nine year single barrel, you don't really see too often in 2023. Yeah. Um, so just a quick refresher on barrel. Um, they are a blending outfit. Um, mm-hmm. so they do blends. They, well, they source from MGP, but also, uh, Tennessee. I think they said Washington, uh, all over the world, Wyoming, like, yeah, there's all kinds of different places. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the, some of the barrel bottles, um, on the back, they list, um, you know, they're very transparent. They list on the back everywhere where the bottle was distilled. Um, and sometimes there's like five or six countries on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a distillery in Poland that is kind of like a up and coming MGP. Um, we all know El Alberta up in Canada is kind of like an up and coming MGP. They do a lot of bourbon mash bills. Um, so just cause it says Canadian, you don't have to be scared. It's not going to necessarily taste like Canadian whiskey. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of different places doing a lot of really good stuff and sourcing barrels out. Um, and barrel craft being a blending house was kind of on top of the game and got to all these places before most of the other distilleries that are now trying to get into the blending game. Um, have, so they have good relationships all around the world and have a bunch of unique stuff to pull from. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of, uh, shit on blending. Um, but you know, I, I think a lot of people probably look at barrel and say, you know, I don't know if it's worth 80 or $90 for a blend. Um, but almost all of their blends are using much older whiskeys. Um, usually like in the like eight, nine, 10 plus year range. Yeah. Um, and all the ones that I've had have definitely been worth the money. Um, they're all, well, I think, uh, the the only issue with being a blended whiskey um in this day and age is yeah you have a lot of old school drinkers that think uh you know just because it's blended it's not as good as like a single malt or a single barrel um and really you know rewind two three years ago i think even people who are really into it like us um kind of looked at blended whiskey as like a secondary category um, but what, what the, I think the average consumer doesn't realize is, uh, you know, there's a lot of art that goes into blending and, uh, recently 
you know, more and more people are starting to appreciate and realize that um, you're not just dumping barrels together and bottling it. There's layers that go into uh, blending, not only to choose, you know, what barrels and what mash bills to blend together, but also how to blend it and the pace that you're blending it together. Um, You know, as we saw with Fox and Odin, um, their hunter proof whiskeys have the flavor of a 120, 130 proof whiskey without the burn. And that's because they're doing that cognac style, slow blending method. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think barrel barrel was a, a pioneer in the whole blending movement to show people that you can have a better blended whiskey than a single barrel or, you know, in the Scotch world, a single malt. Um, which scotch, I think it's a little more, uh, it's a little more prevalent. And I think they're a little, a little farther behind than bourbon with the whole blending thing. Um, cause scotch drinkers are scared anytime they see blended. Um, it's always looked at as like a secondary whiskey category, but I think this day and age, like most bourbon drinkers realize that there is an art that goes into blending. Um, and if it's from a producer that you trust, um, and you're probably going to get a really good whiskey from it. And, uh, I get a lot of questions about barrel and not really as much anymore, but you know, is barrel worth the $80 price tag, the $110 price tag? And, and, and again, keep in mind, they came in with a blended bourbon and started charging $80 minimum for their product uh, three years ago, four years ago, when blending was looked at as kind of like a poor man's bourbon drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they, they're they a huge pioneer in changing everybody's mindset about blended whiskey and showing people that you can, you can have a much more flavorful uh, whiskey uh, if it's blended correctly than you know, a single barrel doesn't necessarily mean it's better. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of the, the hesitancy around blends comes from the scotch world where blends are typically like cheaper scotches. Um, so a lot of people kind of look down on that, but, um, then you like, I feel like they carried over a lot into the bourbon world. Um, but, um, yeah, I get, the evidence I think is pretty clear when you look at like the number of awards that barrel wins every year at like mm-hmm. spirit competitions is pretty incredible. Like I think they won like eight or nine different gold or double golds this year. Um, like almost every big one of their expressions yeah. won something, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty crazy. Um, and they they do an excellent job of. Um, not only keeping things like interesting with their normal, their normal release is always different every year. Um, but now they're starting to put out more consistent expressions. Like the vantage is mm-hmm. the like dovetail secret. I guess, I guess the vantage is kind of be considered their like new, like flagship or like, yeah, they're like mm-hmm. standard kind of, um, and then, yeah, the dovetail and seagrass are both pretty consistent year to year. Um, Armida. Yeah, the Armida is more of like a desserty kind of thing, which we talked about mm-hmm. in our first barrel episode. Um, yeah, I mean, they've they've done a lot, uh, I think, for the blending Movement, category the whole, in general. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but another reason why I think people are afraid of blended bourbon um, and barrel craft is a great example again is because they'll, you know, a lot of their bottles say five year on them. And then the, the average consumer is like, well, I'm not paying $80 for a five year bourbon, um, which, you know, this is probably something we should discuss on an upcoming episode. Um, I hate people that are like, well, how old is it? What's the minimum? Um, how about you try it? Like, does it taste good or does it not taste good? Who cares how young it is? Is the whiskey good or is it? Yeah. Is it, is it, is the whiskey good or is it not? Um, and I'm getting a little fired up because I had a conversation with a customer about this today and they were like, well, how can you recommend this if it's only six years old? I'm just like, which is is not young by any means. First, yeah. First off, it's not young in the bourbon world, and second off, it tastes good. I don't care how old it is; it tastes good. So, and it's it's, well, yeah. We should do an episode just on age statements, just on like young whiskeys that are young American whiskeys that are really good. Um, Because, like, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that to be considered a bourbon it only needs to be two years old yeah and a lot of uh well technically to be considered a bourbon just has to hit oak kentucky oh right yeah two Um, years old yeah straight kentucky Mm -hmm. bourbon is two years old not saying two-year-old bourbon is good or bourbon that hits oak is good (laughs) um (laughs) but how about how about you taste it blind and not worry about the age statement and just does it taste good or does it not taste good? Do you like it or do you not? You know? Um, yeah. But going back to going back to barrel and their blends, like, yeah, their blends are five year, but they're also blending in 10 year, 15 year. Um, they're blending in much older stuff. And if you ask one of their blenders or, or one of their reps that really knows what's going on, they will tell you the young whiskey is crucial to creating a good blend. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want, if you're, if you're creating a blended whiskey, you don't want something that's too oaky. You don't want, um, cause all those older whiskeys kind of lose their fruit. They lose, uh, you know, there's, there's just something to be said about a youthful whiskey and it's not always going to be great on its own. Um, but blending it in and layering it in, uh, with older whiskey creates a lot of depth and a lot of flavor that you wouldn't be able to find in either a young or an older whiskey. Yeah, a lot of those like um, so. bright, sweet flavors are from like younger whiskeys. Like mm-hmm. you, you definitely start to lose that the older a whiskey gets, and you get more of those like right. darker, like stone fruit kind of notes on, on older mm-hmm. whiskeys, and like the you know tannic kind of oak and wood notes the older it gets. So yeah, to, yeah. to get a really nicely balanced whiskey like this, you need something in like the four or five year range to really like counteract Just create some layer oak and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I'm talking a lot about blends, um, but today's focus um, is a single barrel, mm-hmm. which uh, it's it's kind of a good transition because. The only reason why we picked this single barrel is because barrel informed us that they're discontinuing their single barrel pick program, uh, which when I first heard that, I was extremely disappointed. Um, I can't even tell you how let down it was just because like some of my favorite picks, we just did a, so we just did an eight year uh, barrel, single barrel pick that beat Russell's 13 year 
in our blind tasting and that wasn't even really close the eight-year barrel pick destroyed it which another reason why age doesn't really matter it's all about flavor and taste if dan was here he'd ask for the vote tally uh yeah and you know what i was gonna i was actually looking it up earlier and i was like oh dan's not on the episode so it doesn't matter uh but um no, but this one, this one was, it, it wasn't close. It was like 30 to 15 or something like that. Oh, wow. yeah. Um, it was, it was, it was almost a landslide, um, for the barrel pick over the Russell's 13 year. And depends, I know it depends on the batch of Russell's that you're putting in there, but, um, the one that we had, it was just like how we were saying earlier, some of those older whiskeys just get too oaky and too tannicky. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, Jimmy Russell, like I've listened to podcasts where he talks about how 10 years is a sweet spot. And that's the reason why they never release anything older than 10 and years past wow. is because he believes that 10 years is like the money spot for bourbon. Um, so it's kind of interesting that they came out with that 13 year and yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think we'll see too much older than that from them unless they just have a bunch of leftover stock or, you know, Campari wants to step in and get more money out of some of these barrels. But, yeah. um, yeah, with, with bourbon, you can really, you can really go wrong if something ages a little bit too long. Um, yeah, I think so, uh, yeah. a lot of the feedback on the Knob Creek 18 year was negative. Oh, I thought um, it was terrible. Yeah, I have I haven't tried it yet, but I've heard that it's just basically like liquid wood, and a lot yeah. of people were not really fans of it. Um, I no. actually really like that <laughs> kind of. <flavor. laughs> you you probably will like it then. I might like it. So <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. but it was it was. I mean, yeah, the the Knob 18 year is too oaky and like. I, I I give them props for coming out with that because um, you don't see an 18 year bourbon. You know that's that's extremely hard to find. Yeah, you know, Elijah um, Craig is the only other 18. Elijah Craig. Uh, I mean, like if you want to talk about anything older than 18, like the Pappy lineup. Um, but I, I off the top of my head, like I can't think of any anything that's really out there that even even if it's hard to find like has an age statement of 18 years uh that mm-hmm. is bourbon and not not just american whiskey um so and I, and I think like partially they they might not have come out with that just to be like hey here's a really really good whiskey but i think they might have done that also just to give people the option because again they're owned by centauri which is uh you know a world company they have a lot of different world whiskeys yeah. um and, you know, in other parts of the world with scotch, with Japanese whiskey, um, age does make a, a bigger difference because they're not getting as much evaporation. So that whiskey ages a lot slower. So you can get a really, really good, deep, complex 18-year-old scotch or 18-year-old Japanese whiskey. Um, and I think they that might have been like, a, hey, you know, look at this 18-year-old bourbon and let's just kind of see what people think um yeah because they know it's they know it's gonna they know it's gonna sell they know people are gonna be looking for it um but the people that actually drink the stuff and know about it um you know they'll they'll quickly realize that yeah this is kind of past its prime and should have been bottled uh around the 12 to 15 year mark at the latest yeah um yeah so um 
shit. I had a point. No, I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I guess we should circle back to why Barrel is discontinuing. Yes, that's where it was. Program. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause they, they are a blending house. They're known as being the best blenders. And I, I tell people all the time at the store that these guys are master blenders. Um, you know, I, you should know that they're not going to put out anything bad. I've never had anything barrel craft that I didn't like. There were things there. Of course, there's things I like better than others. Um, but there's never been a blend that I've tasted from barrel craft that I thought, oh, this isn't good. Because um, yeah, everything think, they do, I think, is really good. Yeah, the only thing, I don't think their gray and gold labels are worth the money. Um, they're excellent whiskeys, but they're not worth 300 and $500. <laughs> I, I no, I, I agree how, with almost that. Almost nothing would be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's that's the other thing with bourbon is like, you know, there's so many good $50 bottles. There's so many good $100 bottles. You know, how much better can it be where you have to spend $250 or $500 on a bottle? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we saw that at the the barrel gray and gold label. That was We tasted all the gray and gold label bottles that they had. Mm-hmm. And feedback from everyone was like, yeah, they were good. But, you know, their $80 bottles on the shelf are just as good, if not better in some cases um yeah, so like it's, the, it's very hard to justify spending that money on an american whiskey yeah and, you know like bourbon and rye are supposed to be like cheap down and dirty yeah you know uh spirits like and it's like, just it, corn yeah it's, it's it's not that expensive it's it's hard to justify beyond like the hundred hundred fifty dollar mark for um, like, I don't care how old it is. I don't care what the yeah. proof is. Once you get into, you know, like the 200 plus dollar, uh, range, it's just like, it's really, it's a tough sell. Um, unless it's like absolutely unbelievable. Like, cause like even like the, the pappies and stuff are like less than 150, I think. For like retail yeah mm-hmm. is maybe like one no i think it's like no 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 i think it's more it's that's like 400 oh really oh i thought retail I yeah so no it's like 400 retail um oh, well the 12 years like 90 the, or something so <laughs> yeah the 12 years like 90 the 15 year is like 130 um okay. but then once you jump up to 20 then it's like 200 or 250 and then the oh, 23 okay. is like 400 but again that's also probably the distributor and you know buffalo trace sazerac whoever just raising the price a little bit just because um i mean yeah that's 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 kind of like a whole nother discussion because sometimes they do find uh 23 year old pappy barrels at the end of their aging just completely empty dried up yeah yeah so you have to you have to figure that all into your cost um right you know yeah. but yeah i mean it's and i i've i've never tried pappy 20 or pappy 23 um mostly because i don't care to because everyone that i've talked to that has tried them has said that they're just oaky water and they're not good and the 15 years where it's at um, and I've had the 15 year. It's really good. I would never splurge or, you know, seek out a bottle. Um, 
but uh but yeah i mean i can't imagine the the 20 or 23 year being better at all let alone yeah. worth five times ten times the price i read a review i think on the the 23 and uh the 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 author was like uh the only way I can describe it is challenging. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't sound good at all. Like, <laughs> if you're it's drinking like every, something that good. <laughs> yeah, every like palette note was like earth, like dirt, <laughs> like forest floor. It's like Wood. that sounds like, yeah. <laughs> like the <decaying>. tree bark. <laughs> yeah. Um, um but yeah, so but yeah, anyway, no, so no, I was going to say we absolutely uh, need to record a age statement episode. Yeah, I think we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but to try and circle back for the second time now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> the, gonna, I the, was about to do that too. The plan for Barrel is to start doing um, like private select blends, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, it makes sense. And I think it's 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 kind of cool. Um, I just... I don't think I'm with them on completely stopping single barrel picks. You know, like I would like to see them give the option of both. Yeah. Um, But their whole thing is like, we are blenders. We're trying to portray and advertise ourselves as master blenders. So when there is a single barrel released with our name on it, um, it kind of takes away from our motto of being blenders. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with them halfway on this one. Um, but I do think it's cool that they're sticking to their name and their brand. Um, and I'm really excited to taste some of the blends that they offer. Um, because a lot of times, as we mentioned earlier, you will find more depth and complexity in, uh, a blended whiskey if it's done right by someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. I think um, it'll be interesting. And I, I'm wondering if, um, as, as far as I know, they haven't really released details about like how they're going to go about it yet. No. Um, so I wonder if it's going to be kind of like a maker's experience where you go mm. and you kind of build your own blend or if they're going to just do blends. and That would be badass if they did, but I don't think that's how they're going to do it. Yeah, I think they're going to just do, I know, I think they're just going to do blends and offer them, Um, but who knows? I mean, so they're supposedly building like a state of the art, um, like best of the best high end distillery in Bardstown where you can go and kind of do some things like that, like not just stores, but the average consumer can go in and kind of create like a mini blend. Um, And in the past, they have they have actually done like blended picks that we could pick from in the past. Um, So the way they've kind of handled those. So our, our rum cast finish uh, American whiskey, which was light whiskey, 18 year light whiskey blended with 14 year bourbon finish in a rum cask. And that was the same, pretty much the same base as our Pinot de Charentes and Pedro Jimenez uh, finish that we did from them. Um, They're creating a blend you get to pick from the blend. And if you pick that one blend, they won't sell it to anybody else in your state. Okay. So it's, it's basically like a 30 bottle minimum that you have to commit to. And then they'll, they'll keep selling it in other states until they run out. Um, which, which I think that's, I think that's cool because it gives, 
Um, you know, it gives a store like us the opportunity to do more picks with them because we're not committing to 200, 150 bottles on yeah. one pick. Um, we can commit to a lot less. And it also helps smaller stores do barrel picks who yeah, would never be able like to commit to a level of exclusivity too. That's like yeah, uh-huh. nice for like a, a smaller store that, right. Um, you know, like has to compete with like the big chains and stuff like that, or like something like a, an exclusive limited pick from barrel is like a good draw, you know, to the store. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's good. I think it's cool. Um, I just would like the option to be able to, you know, sit there with five samples, maybe two of them be single barrels, three of them be blends. Yeah, I I, I kind of get their point because like they haven't made any of those single barrels. So, yeah, so, like, they're just right. selling you something they bought from somebody else. You know, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it, I I get that they be more inclined to be like hey we actually made this like you know try and you know yes and see what you like Mm -hmm. you know but um yeah i mean i you know it's cool it's harder to find it's going to be more difficult to find uh bourbons like this one that are in nine year mgp or like 12 year dickel or whatever you know that Mm -hmm. you can't just go get from those distilleries you know you you'd have to go get it through a middleman like like barrel or or whatever yeah. you know so uh a little background on this barrel um and how we picked it which i don't think we've uh disclosed yet but or i shouldn't say disclosed but just haven't mentioned this yet um i was on my way to the store uh a saturday morning it was like 10 in the morning and i got a call from my barrel rep and he said hey uh you know we're discontinuing the single barrel program i just found out about this um but i have some samples uh if you're around today i can bring them by and you can taste and pick one if you like one um but after this weekend we're done offering single barrels and uh, I don't go in every Saturday, but it just happened that this was a Saturday that I was on my way into the store. Um, unfortunately, I was a little hungover, so I wasn't uh, excited about tasting whiskey at 10 in the morning when I got there. Um, but yeah, it was the last opportunity to taste and pick a single barrel from them. So it, it kind of caught me off guard, but um we tasted three different uh, barrel samples and this was by far the, or actually it was four different barrel samples. This was by far the best. Um, and then once I picked this one, he said, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Somebody else already picked this. Uh, what's your second choice? And then I like this one so much and so much better than the second choice that I was like, I, you know, with all due respect, I'm sorry, but if we can't get this barrel, we're not going to do a pick. Um, and so he made a few phone calls and we ended up getting the barrel, uh, which I mean, like he tells me all the time that we're his top customer in the state. Uh, Um, so I would, uh, you know, hope that he would be able to do that for us. Throwing that gold eagle um, weight around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't like to, I don't want to throw out there too much, but yeah, it was cool that they were able to do that for us and swing that around. But, um, but I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, going back to the whiskey itself, 
Um, I think this is really good. I think it's very similar to the eight-year barrel that we picked a year ago that beat Russell's 13-year. I just think this adds an incredible amount of depth and oak and kind of like toasted vanilla flavors that maybe that eight-year was lacking. Um, I got a review from my buddy Dan Ristow earlier today who did the eight-year and the nine-year side-by-side. Um, and he said, yeah, a little bit more depth, a little bit more oak that the eight year was lacking. Um, the eight years better if you're looking for something a little bit sweeter, but, um, as an overall whiskey, this nine year just has a lot more of those, uh, flavors that we love. And it's, it's just an enhanced version of the eight year. Um, and the price is the same too. They didn't, uh, raise the price on us just for it being a year older. Um, so on a 109.99 um as i mean how about you as a consumer like what do you think of that price point for a nine yeah i i think it's worth it um it's uh like like you said it's you're not gonna really find anything um comparable at least easily um and like this one uh the the flavor profile is pretty spot on for what you'd want out of a nine-year whiskey um very well balanced like we said um it gets you know some of the rye notes that i'm looking for you know um but i it definitely would appeal to a non-rye drinker um like the Mm -hmm. hardcore bourbon enthusiast as well yeah it doesn't have like a a cinnamony rye it's more of like a baked goods type Mm -hmm. of rye um which is, you know, I think sometimes when people hear rye and they get scared, that's the people that, you know, don't like that cinnamony, um, you know, too heavy on the spice note. But this is more of like a toasted, like baked goods type of spice going on. Yeah, it's it's definitely much more like vanilla and the toasted oak for, forward kind of notes. Um, the rye just kind of comes through on the end a little bit. Um which is kind of what I yeah. want for, but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah think overall a, very balanced. Yeah. It's a good, good price point for a single barrel, especially of this caliber. Um, yeah. I, I think overall it's, it's a really good pick. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I like the, I like the high proof. I like the barrel proof. Um, this is most of our picks I can say taste well below their proof. Um, I think this one tastes right at its proof. Um, it's not like a sneaky one by any means. Um, but it's full of flavor, which a lot of times when you get those lower proof whiskeys, they're just lacking a little bit of flavor. Um, but this one, this one's crushable. Um, and it has full body, full flavor, um, very viscous, and yeah, uh, at, at 111, it's a nice, accessible, like barrel entry proof or barrel entry. Or, or, are we going to start talking proof. about session whiskeys at 111 proof? No, <laughs> should, should not count no. as a session whiskey at 111. <laughs> yeah, not a but session it, whiskey, but yeah, it's definitely it's, um, you can like, have more than one, yeah, and like you can have more than one that, pour people that don't necessarily like higher proof whiskeys might like this one. Cause it's not too yeah, high. It's a, it's, um, it's a nice, sweet it's spot. a good, 
it's a good gateway into higher proof barrel proof mm -hmm. for people that don't like that high proof but it's also a great um a great bottle for even you know the connoisseurs who oh i only drink hazmat yeah you know <laughs> so it's got it's it kind of hits on every every aspect of what you'd want in a whiskey no matter what kind of whiskey drinker you are um and this is off of a fresh crack too i think uh usually with the barrel uh capturing stuff it opens up a lot after it gets yeah, a little air time I don't have my water dropper up here or, or else mm. I would do a water drop and see how it changes. Yeah. I actually, I actually haven't tried this with water yet. Um, I started doing that at all of the master classes. Um, cause I can't oh, remember. Yeah. They, they told us that to do it at one of them. And normally I, I do not. Um, mm -hmm. but after that one, I was like, Holy shit, this really makes a difference. <laughs> I've been well, trying. Yeah. To I mean, it's all of them. It's, it's kind of hard to know and it's a personal preference thing. Um, you know, whether you like it better with the water or without it. And it, I can definitely see it being hard at the master classes cause you only have half ounce pours and there's, you know, six or eight pours to go through. So you really only have like one full sip without water and then one full sip with water. If you're adding water to them. Yeah. Um, and I typically like things at higher proof. So I don't, add water but um i know it's something that i should be doing more just to kind of see how the flavor changes and how to better describe it to people because a lot of times yeah adding a little bit of water does add a lot more flavor and sometimes without even taking away uh you know the depth and the proof it just kind of just adds yeah. more of the notes that you might want in a whiskey yeah it's it, you know i i've heard before yeah if you go on whiskey tours and stuff they'll always tell you try everything neat once mm -hmm. and then you can do whatever you want to <laughs> yeah, yeah i agree so. with, i agree with that i mean you, you should try everything neat and then you should try everything with a drop of water um and just see how you like it yeah. um but yeah for for someone who's getting into whiskey then yes absolutely you should always taste neat no matter what yeah um before adding water adding ice um not saying that you might like it neat, but um, just to kind of get your palate developed to tasting neat and tasting higher proof. Yeah, you definitely get a better grasp on the flavors if you taste neat. So mm -hmm. even so, even if you add the water after, you can pull back and like you know, or, you know uh, recall what the neat flavors were and how those changed right. with the water and stuff. So. Yeah, usually it's a good idea to do it neat yeah. first, at least. Um, so, yeah, the only other thing that we wanted to talk about was Stellum and their relationship to Barrel Craft. Um, so Stellum is like the sister brand of Barrel Craft. Um, also blends. Um, there was a master also cast class. Strength. Yeah, also cast strength. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a master class a couple months ago now. Or last last yeah. month mm -hmm. with all the black um, label stones. Yeah, and that was a great one. Um, I their bourbons are good. Um, their ryes are absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, I like can't recommend them enough. Um, I really enjoyed the Lone Cypress. I think was the new rye release. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. like and the Tara. Yeah, the Tara is fantastic. That's a 
bourbon. Which um, it is a bourbon, and maybe it's not worth mentioning because I know you can only get it at Gold Eagle. Um, the Tara was a blend created for somebody in California, um, and a couple cases got misplaced, and so we we kind of have like almost exclusive rights to it within Illinois because um, we we took just about everything that the distributor had, but it's a really really good blend of yeah. Stellum bourbon. Um, and yeah, the rise are really good. Um, and just talking about the standard Stellum, I think the standard bourbon is really not anything great, but the standard rye, which is $55 on the shelf is actually really good. Yeah. And like Stellum, I think they said was trying to kind of be the more price accessible version of barrel. Yeah. Um, but like once you get into the special releases, you're talking about that same barrel price point. Yeah, um, which is super worth it. <laughs> super interesting because they said they started Stellum to be like an accessible, friendlier price point on the shelf. Um, and at first they just came out with the bourbon and the rye, which were $55, which I think is genius on their part. Cause yeah, there was a ton of customers who didn't want to spend $80 on a bourbon. Um, and again, these are, these are kind of people that are just getting into whiskey, um, who don't necessarily think they'll appreciate an $80 bottle of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a good move on Barrelcraft's part to start this Stellum brand. Uh, but now it seems like everything Stellum is putting out is their higher end black label releases, which are hundred dollars on the yeah. shelf. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 I think it's a little iffy. Nobody really knows except for the four people who started barrel on where they're going with the Stellum brand. But I've heard rumors, um, inside rumors that they started it just to sell the brand and get more cash flow for barrel. Um, I've also heard that their full intention was to just come out with those two $55 bottles and they kind of discovered older, more rare casks in the Stellum inventory. And that's why they came out with the black label higher end bottles. But I guess nobody will really know um, unless some more information gets leaked um, or unless they sell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, either way, I think the, the rye, the standard Stellum rye is definitely worth a buy. If you're into rye, Um, it's very good. Um, yeah, other than that, um, I don't know uh, what else there is to say. Seagrass I don't know, it's amazing really how fast <laughs> <laughs> it is really good. That's my summer <laughs> sipper. Um, <laughs> like, you can't find a better barrel proof, 115, 120 proof whiskey than Seagrass um, yeah, for the summertime. But yeah, yeah it's amazing nice how ride, fast. Uh, um, really good. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say it's amazing how fast an hour goes when you're sipping whiskey and yeah. <laughs> talking about talking about good stuff. But yeah, I just looked yeah. at the time. It's like wow, we're already at an hour already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I I don't have anything else to cover on barrel. I don't think. No, I think that's um, I think that's about it. So yeah, um, I'm gonna plug Gold Eagle because Dan isn't here to give me shit for it. Um, <laughs> If, if you're looking for a really, really good single barrel, um, especially MGP, uh, do not miss this barrel. Barrel. Um, so that's always weird to say. 
yeah. barrel barrel. Um, don't miss this barrel single barrel. Um, I, I don't know of many other MGP nine year single barrel offerings out there on the mark. And uh, we're unfortunately not going to be able to pick more single barrels from barrel bourbon. So uh, get this while you can. GoldEagleWine.com, uh, Facebook, Gold Eagle Spirits, Instagram, Gold Eagle Wine. Um, but yeah, this is uh, one of the most balanced MGP products that I've ever had in my life. So yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, so uh, if you want to listen to our first episode on barrel um it's somewhere in our catalog uh which you can listen to on spotify apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts um there is not a video episode but if you like watching video episodes you can watch us on youtube um we started around episode 40 something on youtube so um and i'm not going to do the back catalog because it's a lot of work (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you can email us at bourbonmatters at gmail.com if you want to tell us that we should review something or you have some specific topic you want us to talk about um you can also find us on instagram at bourbon matters or at facebook search bourbon matters um yeah i think that's it and check out next week's episode about uh, why age doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> Taters or soon part two. Coming episode. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a good one. I'm, I'm actually pretty yeah. excited. No, about I'm, not, that I'm excited for that one too. I'm already getting fired up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next week, age statements. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah.